After spending three days attending 12 talks and walking over 20,000 steps, I'm back from one of my favourite conferences of the year, Bath Digital Festival 2019. Attending the festival is my chance to break out of the day-to-day and take a look around at what other businesses are up to. This year, I've been lucky enough to interview many of the speakers and some of the attendees, so I'll be sharing these to give you a flavour of the state of technology and marketing. As usual, my detailed notes are on our blog at ratherinventive.com. I hope you enjoy. Here at Bath Digital Festival 2019, uh, arrived really early because I'm speaking this morning, which is uh, I'm, I'm really happy about, although a little bit nervous. As usual, we're doing our roundup. I'll be going to a lot of events. I've got a couple lined up, like um, does anyone actually read anymore, which is after my event uh, today at 12 o'clock. Um, then we've got how small brands and business can launch a viable influencer marketing activity, which sounds quite fun. Uh, video creation, which I'm all about, so I'll, um, I'm, if any tips I can learn on that, more the merrier. Anyway, um, i better go in because my, my uh, event's going to start soon. It's just over there. I'm going to head over to the uh, Bath Digital Festival um, head office and, uh, and get started. I'll see you later. So I snagged uh, Jack Cook after his talk on uh, Beyond Brand. Um, And there was a really interesting thing you told me about, which was LinkedIn and why that's really good for organic um, visibility. Tell me more about that. Uh, Well, LinkedIn, obviously, is uh, is early days and they're ever-changing the the way they um, present themselves to the world. So it used to be really stuffy, tie, shirt and tie. Now it's becoming a bit more, hate using the word, millennial, I suppose. Uh, A bit more uh, savvy, a bit bit cooler. Um, And the reason for that is because they they want to out-compete Facebook you know any of the other social media platforms twitter um so if you know at the moment because it's fresh they haven't chucked in the advertising spend they're not asking you to boost posts or anything like that they want people to see your content they want to create a network so the best way they could do that is give you the best organic reach um so really utilizing that now it's a blank canvas if you give it six months it could change again 12 months who knows two years you know so really people need to be on board and just absolutely smashing it right now good yeah i'll give that a go thanks very much thank you I've just been to Amy Morse's um, presentation on um, copywriting and, well, effectively copywriting, but it's like why people don't read anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a couple of key interesting things that you, you mentioned. One was VARC, which was uh, an abbreviation. Mm-hmm. Can you just tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, it's kind of, um, it's a little bit of a kind of learning skills and educational training 101 yeah. stuff, really. I can't remember off the top of my head um, who came up with the theory. Um, but basically, VARC sounds a visual, um, aural or audio, um, reading and writing, and, and kinesthetic. Mm. And it's the four key learning styles that people have. So um, all of us have some degree of um, that combination that we find um, is easier to, to sort of consume and learn from yeah. information. So for me personally, I tend to find that actually, I'm quite a visual person, but I still enjoy writing. That's so, right. yeah. So when I read, when I'm reading, I'm sort of like seeing a, a film in my head. And when I'm writing, I'm kind of visualising it, if you like. Um, but then, so my my first preference is visual, and then reading and writing. I like to see something and then then reflect on it in writing and then read up more about it before I have a go at stuff. Other people might prefer to just get straight stuck in, so they tend to be more kinesthetic learners. And you can you can quite often spot a kinesthetic learner because they like textures, they're always touching things, they like to kind of you'll you'll quite often they'll be wearing like really furry textual clothes really? and things like that. They're quite demonstrative people generally. They like to kind of get stuck in. Um, and then 
very often we find that actually we get sort of conditioned into a learning type of reading and writing through academia. But actually a lot of academic study, often it's focusing on that one key um, learning style, which is why often you get people who struggle to learn um, in a sort of classroom yeah. situation because actually you're not, you're not appealing to their kind of dominant learning style, if you like, so... So it's just using that idea and applying that online when you can. Yeah, absolutely. So thinking about making it a multi-sensory experience for people. Um, and that goes for anything, really. When you're writing something as well, think about how you can bring in all the senses, um, whether it's visual, you're hearing something. When you're talking about a passage, say, in some fiction, you can just, just be describing the smells and the, and the sounds and the textures and the tastes and the look of things. Yes. And then all of that is right, appealing yes, to lining styles. You might styles. not be able to bring the sort of touch and sense alive, you could do that in words and mm -hmm. sort of describe it. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so sense. you can kind of use different words to describe the softness or the hardness or the texture of something. Right. So. Okay, that's a good idea. Something else you mentioned, which I found interesting, is that you've left Instagram mm -hmm. and moved over to LinkedIn. Tell me why that is. Yeah, well, I was always on LinkedIn anyway. And because, actually, my business is very much business to business, because I do, I do training, I go into businesses, and I teach kind of creative skills and content creation. Um, and so, actually, more of my audience is on LinkedIn anyway. But also, I'm not the sort of person... I'm, not, I'm uh, actually a little bit of a technophobe. I, I'm, if, I, if I didn't work for myself, I probably wouldn't even have a smartphone. <laughs> If I'm honest. Sometimes so, I wish I didn't have a <laughs> Yeah, so actually I'm not the kind of person that, that kind of feels like I have to document everything with pictures. Yeah. I've got friends who do that a lot and they love Instagram. And actually one of my friends who does that was like, oh, you'll love Instagram. But it's just, I sort of found it a bit of pressure yeah. to like think of something interesting to take a picture of every day when I, it's not a natural inclination. And like, heaven forbid, I use like an actual camera to take pictures. So I really struggled with the fact that Instagram was like a phone-only interface. It's like the faff of, oh, I've taken a picture on a camera and I've got to put it on a file and then I've got to copy it across to my phone and mm, I couldn't bother. Yeah. So I just... I so kind it's a big of, ordeal to do that. Yeah, it was. And also, you know, it wasn't really... My audience weren't really there. It wasn't really um, right. the right platform for me. I think very, when it comes to social media, it's very much... Um, about quality over quantity. Yeah. I think you're much better off um, really focusing your energy uh, on one or two platforms that you don't hate, that aren't a fan, <laughs> and where your audience actually are, and making the most of that. Because at the end of the day, you only need one or two doors into your visual shop for people to come in. So, visual shop, virtual shop. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks very much, Amy. I really enjoyed your talk. Thank you. Thanks for coming. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by 34SP. They offer fast, secure and managed WordPress hosting for the low price of $9.95 a month. Now we've moved most of our clients over to 34SP now. We are previously using a shared hosting supplier, um, but it was becoming rapidly unreliable and uh, most of the sites we had on there were getting incredibly sluggish. Um, so I was really impressed with uh, 34SP's speed. Uh, it was incredibly fast. They've got um, server and, and page caching. Um, in fact, when we moved over our first site, uh, it went from 1.5 seconds, which is okay to 0.4 seconds which I was really impressed with um, and the admin interface when you're um, adding content or uh, adding plugins to WordPress that was incredibly speedy I was very impressed they also offer a free SSL certificate with Let's Encrypt managed updates of the WordPress core and your plugin so that saves a lot of time free seamless site migrations uh, which I make full use of when we bring clients over a staging area to spin up a copy of the website. Uh, this is really useful if you've got plugins you want to test out because you can test them out in a safe area. No restriction on bandwidth. You've got a simple control panel. And I wish many other hosts would use this type of control panel. It's really good. And great support, even on the weekend, which I've definitely used. So if you're interested in upgrading your WordPress hosting, visit 34sp.com. 
And when you do, at the checkout, use the code WPINVENTIVE. That's WPINVENTIVE, all one word, to get your first three months completely free. Bum, bum, bum. Well, it's day two of the Bath Digital Festival for, for me, certainly. Um, it's a very cold, misty morning, as you can probably see. I'm back here in earnest at nine o'clock for the first talk which is, um, actually I've just signed up for it, I didn't, I didn't realise about it when I was planning, and it's about um, video from a guy I actually met yesterday, so I'm really looking forward to that, more video. Um, but actually first on my list is a talk about, is Google a monopoly, and uh, uh, should they be broken up by the government? So that should be quite a fun talk, I'm, I'm really quite interested to see where that particular talk goes. In the afternoon there's a, a, a rather interesting talk, uh, about six numbers to run your business, uh, the digital version. Um, and I'm always interested at better ways to do business, uh, more efficient ways to really look at how we're working and whether that can be improved. And, and you know, if I learn anything, I'll certainly pass it on. Your talk was really good. Yeah. Uh, it's all about personal branding. And it, I'm, on, I, I'm at the beginning of my journey with this podcast, um, into trying to take it from something which was just general chit-chat between me and a colleague into something that has meaning. Can you just give me a, a quick insight into the talk? Maybe one thing that would help people in terms of personal branding if they're starting out. So yeah, uh, my talk was about personal branding and the one thing I would say is just put out content, so like you're doing now with your mobile phone, make content, like, and you're just having a conversation. So this is pretty easy content for you, you don't have to think about it. You've got me giving you the answers, if that makes sense? So yeah. I do a similar thing with my podcast um, and then I can create loads of content from that. Also, connect on, on the various different platforms. Use Instagram as a kind of way, if you're at an event, um, say it's a networking event that's quite big or something, look for people and, and people that are posted to that location because you can go in. I, I'm sure you can screenshot it to the video, but you can go in, you can go to the search bar mm. and search by location or by at tags so you can see who's tagged them into the, the yeah I really content. like that idea when you brought up but it's mm. something that I do a little bit of mm. but I don't do enough maybe there's a, a fear that they're not going to be interested in me yeah, but yeah, yeah. we were just talking about that off camera and you're saying if they're not they're not interested no. that's fine what, no what loss is it to you like what, what do you lose out of it like just your little bit of time that you spent if you know what I mean yeah, so, yeah. exactly um, just one more thing before we go and I know that we're swapping rooms in yeah. a minute yeah kicked out <laughs> um, we're going to get kicked out <laughs> but you brought up a quite a funny post where you had your, your legs in a photo um, <laughs> you had your legs in a photo um, with, with a, a laptop next yeah. to you and you were echoing what a lot of, the, a lot of ladies do uh, yeah. to get maybe attention yeah. and what was, the, what was the thoughts behind that? Uh, so it, I saw two posts from people that I follow um, and, and they, they put pictures of their legs with a, a laptop and a book yeah. and on a bed um, and I've, I've seen it before and I, I, I just saw it that, that week and it was happened to be twice in one week and I thought fuck it I'm, I'm sorry I don't know so I, I can bleep it out yeah. uh, I thought I'm just going to do it so yeah. I did it um, and it worked really well it worked really well on LinkedIn and then I got loads of people messaging me connection requests and things like that and some of them were a bit inappropriate but yeah <laughs> I don't know if I could do it my legs are a bit hairy yeah. but <laughs> maybe I'll try <laughs> thanks very much Edward good talking cool. to you thank you Tom, can you tell me a little bit more about your talk? You mentioned in, uh, in it that, uh, that we're lazy and that's yeah. why companies like Google are so big. Tell yeah. me a little bit more about why you feel that way. Well, I, ju I was just reflecting on why are Google so big. Now, they've got a good system, yeah. but it's not having worked, you know, I work in SEO, it's not as clever as they make it sound. But I think fundamentally, it's on everyone's devices, it works enough, it works quickly. People can't be bothered to to look for another solution. Yeah. I think fundamentally it's grown because everyone's using it and it is good, but rather than 
people haven't looked around. I mean, there's, when I looked around, there's other really good ones out there that give you really good results. They look different and no one likes change. Yeah, and they were, what, DuckDuckGo? DuckDuckGo, there's Swiss Cows. Yeah, I mean, they're very, that. yeah, no, wood. They're very privacy focused, so they don't track you. I think the fundamental question and the lazy point was more do we actually care about our privacy yeah. or is it just a good thing to talk about? A bit like we talk about big data and politics and Brexit. I mean, do people care? Yeah, some people do really care. Do the majority? I'm not so sure. No. Is it just governments? Are they, is there an agenda? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But I think you're right. Um, insurance companies, we were just talking yes. before, I think they play on the fact of, that people can be apathetic about renewing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, set, I set a reminder in advance, well yeah. in advance, and even then I get to it, I'm like, oh, can we bother yeah. to change over? No, do you know what? It, yeah, completely. Absolutely. I mean, there's loads of industries that make money just because people repeat phones, mobile phones. You just, monthly, you go back to the car phone warehouse, they yeah. tell you the best one, you're like, yeah, you, do, do you read the terms and conditions? Do you actually do the maths? No. You know, we're just lazy. Yeah. So we have to be less lazy. We have yeah. To go and use less lazy people. Yeah. We oh. look around. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much. That's Cheers, right. Tom. No worries. So Helen, in your talk, um, you spoke a lot about remarketing and and how um, and gave us loads of tips really on how to use it. But you also said it's underused. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and why you feel that way? Uh, the reason I feel like that is because I work obviously as a digital advisor. I go into a lot of companies to find out what they're doing right and wrong with, uh, with uh, digital marketing. And the majority of them are not actually doing any right. retargeting. It, it always blows my mind because I think it's probably just... Uh, it just doesn't make any sense that somebody comes into your shoe shop and you couldn't be bothered about getting them back in. I mean, that doesn't make... And, and I know that that's happening in real-life retail as well. There isn't this incentive for people to come back. And, you know, for a customer to become a customer, what you need is them to come back... And I think it's something like 96% of people don't take any action the first time they visit your website. Mm. So you need them to come back again. And this just makes sense. This is just a way of getting them to come back. Yeah, that's right. And a lot of people expect... They, they put out all the marketing, they, they do all the fanfare, yeah. and expect everyone to buy first time, and it just doesn't work. Oh, like yes. That. They think, well, I've got a great product. Everyone's going to buy it. Well, yeah. they're really not. And so, yeah, you need to get... You build a relationship with them. And I, I suppose I always relate um, marketing to the, as a relationship. You know, you can't have sex on the first date. Well, I mean, I, I suppose you can. But generally speaking, you know, you can't go up to someone in a bar and say, let's go home and have sex. You generally have to get to you know need, them You need to bit. warm them up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So remarketing works in that way. They get to know you a little bit. They start seeing the value that you add. Um, and they start to get to know you and feel like they do know you and trust you. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and any of the preferred platforms that you like working with uh, for remarketing? Um, Facebook, of course. I know people. a lot of people dispute that Facebook is great, but I still get some of the best return of, on investment, uh, and Google and YouTube. Uh, YouTube's also very underutilised, and video, of course, is consumed highly. So Yeah, personally, I love YouTube, so uh, yeah. anything more I can... And I actually didn't realise you could retarget on views as well, so that's something yes. I'll be looking into. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I know with, uh, with the custom intent audiences that I was talking about as well, the nice thing is that you can also look for people that have searched a certain term, then they go on to watch a cat video on YouTube, and you can follow them there and put your ad in front of them as well. Yeah. I really like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be doing a bit more of that. Yes. Thank you very much. It was a great talk. Thank you very much. So we've, we've been working on a great workshop um, where we were looking at, we are trying to come up with six numbers to run our business by, and... Um, and usually when I've spoken to accountants about this, it's all about um, profit, income and other numbers which you can't really impact. But during the workshop, we had to work through and find numbers that we could actually uh, change and make an impact on so that we could improve them. And um, 
One of the examples, we went through a business that Natalie works in and looked at various different KPIs that she might be able to use in, in her business. So maybe, Natalie, just tell us a little bit about the business and it will give us some context to this. Yeah, so um, I work for a property management company and this particular example is a workspace we've got opening in Clifton in Bristol. Um, it's going to fit 250 people at any one time um, and we've got the task of selling and filling it by January. Um, so at the moment I've got a KPI document that's very, very um, muddy, a lot of detail um, and it's then quite difficult to report to my MD. Um, so we were going through basically streamlining those KPIs and just having four that we that I could then give to my MD um, who can see basically like what's going on in the company and get the the, the picture. Yeah, um, I, I think the, the idea is to give them confidence that things are moving in the right direction but not have them worry so much about exactly what you're doing because you're... Yeah you're able to go and have, empower you really to do the right thing. Yeah, exactly. So we would still have a, a KPI document um, that does break down the various different marketing things, but this one KPI sheet, I guess, would be um, every, like a snapshot of everything going on for him. Yes, and you've got, we've got a sheet here, so do you want to show that up to the yeah. camera, see if we can get it in picture? I don't know if, if we'll be able to see that. I'll quickly read it out, and then you can go through it. So basically at the top we've got um, the activity, and this is where we wouldn't necessarily look at any specific thing that, that Natalie would be doing, but it's looking at the total amount of hours put into um, sales, um, pay-per-click, um, YouTube videos, anything really, anything like that. Um, next on the list was the average cost per tenancy, or average um, cost per order. And that's a really useful one because you want to know what the cost is for the amount of orders coming in. Um, and then we've got your R for number three, which is the average room rate. Um, and this is useful so that while Natalie can make sure that the boss is still getting the uh, average amount of money they want. And then what's the final one? The number of tenants. So just making sure that you're, uh, on a regular basis you've got the, the right number of tenants that you're expecting. Now you can come out from behind that paper. Yeah. Um, so do you think that will be... Going through this, would, would this be reasonably easy information to collect? I think it would be because I've got the more detailed KPI document from the marketing and sales team. Um, so we already collect that info anyway. Um, I think this would just make it a lot neater and easier for people to see very quickly what's going on. Um, and I think the formulas that we've got down work really easily as yeah. well. Cool. Thanks very much for that, Natalie. Okay, Good to speak no to you. So, so Rob's, Rob's joined me down in Bath because he uh, I've been banging on about the Bath Digital Festival. He, he had to find out what, is it, what it was all about. Um, and our kids go to the same school, so that's how we know True. each other. Um, in fact, do you want to give a shout-out to your company as well? So, yeah, so I'm uh, Rob Hopkins, the head of digital acquisitions at TFD, uh, based down in London. Um, but yeah, as Ben said, he um, dragged me down here, kicking through me. Not really. Um, I, I really enjoyed the day, to be fair. It I've was. got an awful lot out of it. And you'd not been before? No, no. Um, so I'm glad I dragged you down. So, yeah, let's start, let's start at the end. And I went to a workshop which was um, about the six numbers that you need to, um, six KPIs, really, that you need in your business to know it's performing well. Wasn't sure what to expect. It's two hours long, so it's quite intense. Yep. Um, but I thought it was one of the best workshops of the day. Definitely. Do you want to give us a little summary of um, what happened? Um, yeah, so uh, obviously what we did, um, or what we, what we had to look at, was the kind of key KPIs that actually, one, were forward-facing, so forward-looking, if you like. That is very important. And that is absolutely crucial. And um, 
very poignant actually it really it really made sense once we actually got to you know kind of doing this stuff in the workshop but also it was about basically being able to kind of extract yourself from the kind of minutiae of whether PPC works or SEO works or what the KPIs or how many tweets you put out that kind of stuff but actually more about the kind of macro view and actually what is the value that you're trying to build in the company and then how do I actually measure that value what are the KPIs for that company we had a great example where um, we had to pretend we were running a camel racing organisation. Company, yeah. Yeah. And um, we came up with quite an elaborate way of actually not worrying about what the value of the camels were or whether we were going to win or not. No. And actually it was all about brand recognition of uh, the camels, influence, having influence the camels out there so that... Um, we didn't worry about whether the camels would win or lose a race. No, nope, it was It was going to be more about what can we do to make the camels worth more money than they are from a sort of um, a sale point of view. Yeah. And what we can do to increase the audience, increase the numbers, so they have a sort of a brand value to them. Yeah. We wanted to... Um, dominate the market. We wanted to dominate the market, <laughs> but we wanted to have some kind of USP. And the, 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 the example that I gave was actually within the gold rush, we wanted to be the people selling the wheelbarrows, not doing the actual yeah. you know, digging for gold. And in this case, the gold was the camels, and actually the wheelbarrows were, um, and I'm sure Ben, you'll come on to this later on, but the, the, the wheelbarrows were things like actually the little robots that sit on top of the camels. Yeah, no, this is, this is fab. And um, I talked about this with, um, with Bill. I had a little interview with him at the end. And um, there were lots of... He presented us with a fact sheet, so we, we go through, uh, and so we can understand the camel racing business. And one of the things I didn't realise is that because they, they used to use children for... Um, riding on the camels and they're not allowed to do that now I can't no, remember what uh, it was out it was uh, banned in 2002 apparently <laughs> right that's quite recent yes um, so now they use robots to do it so you've got these little robots on top uh, and the owners of the camel can control the robot's whip they can also speak to the camel from the robot which I think yeah because it's got some kind bad. of walkie talkie in it yeah Brilliant. and so we were saying well, what if we could be the company who owns this robot and we yes. can sell them to all the other camels I mean, we're probably diving into too much detail for it, but it was—it really got us thinking. And the whole point behind it was not to um, for the exercises to sort of remove us from our companies. Yes. Just think about this, so we could be objective and come up with KPIs that would work for this fictional business. Yeah. And actually, when we went through and talked about Natalie's business, who was one of our on, on our team table, um, which was a property business, yeah. that we could. We actually sort of reused a lot of those ideas Definitely. that we talked about. And actually, I've, I've come up with a couple of K- KPIs from, from that experience that I'm definitely going to push on some, some of the, our clients mm. and, and hopefully find it useful. So I, I thought that was really good. Thank you very much, Bill. It was, a, it was yeah, really good. Yeah, it was very, very good. Really yeah. enjoyed it, actually. The, the last one, which I've written a huge amount of notes on here, was from Helen Tonetti, I think her surname is. Helen Tonetti from Make Digital Work. And uh, her talk was about inside-out branding. Yes. And, uh, oh boy, did she, there's a lot of information in this particular one. But in essence, she was talking about remarketing. Now, yeah. remarketing is underused by a lot of people in, um, in the marketing industry generally, companies. Mm-hmm. And, um, and basically going step-by-step step through different ways to use that, uh, use remarketing technology. Yeah. Um, from, um, and basically she had a pie, it wasn't a pie chart, a chart of the different users from customers all the way through to people who don't know you and how you might use remarketing in each of those stages. Yeah. Now, I don't use remarketing at all. Um, it's just not a focus of ours, but I know you do a lot in, um, in, your, in the businesses you work with. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A lot of our clients we use remarketing for because 
to be honest, they get an awful lot of traffic, so they've got an awful lot of traffic actually on the website. So we, you know, it would be wrong not to use remarketing. Yeah. But also, we're driving a lot of traffic to, in some cases, you know, particular product pages and stuff. But if we're driving thousands of people there on a daily basis, I think the stat is something like 96% of them won't convert, won't do anything. They'll hit the landing page and they'll leave. So if we weren't actually retargeting them basically we would have lost 96 out of every 100 people that we're sending there. Yeah. So that would be kind of wrong. Um, however, I think there are a couple of things, or definitely one, that I think you and I have discussed. Um, and this is the kind of the, the GDPR, the legislative... The lurking GDPR uh, yeah, the, in the background. <laughs> the, 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 yeah, the big bogey monster, as it were, that especially in the UK and across the rest of the EU... It has an impact on these kind of things, especially on remarketing. I think what you're saying is great. I mean, there are lots of great yeah, ideas here. Yeah, I think here. it's really, really good. And actually, whether you're doing remarketing or not, there's lot, a lot of takeaways. I mean, it's yeah. probably one of my biggest notes here. But the caveat is, the huge, huge caveat is, you must work towards regulations. Um, just to finish off, I know you didn't see the first one I saw, which was from, uh, on video, but um, just one of the earlier ones was, is the question was for the workshop or the, the talk, is Google a monopoly? Um, and, and I guess uh, Tom sort of danced around that idea, but I think essentially what he said is um, that, that really, yes, Google may be the majority search engine on the internet, uh, Facebook may be the majority social network for some people, um, maybe not everyone, maybe Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok, but if we don't, I think the crux of what he was saying is if we don't want that to happen, we need to not be lazy. Yeah. And we need to go and use other systems. But unfortunately, as people, we just default to what's easiest. And Google's pretty darn good at coming up with results. That's that's how it got its to its dominant position. And people are unwilling to try other things like DuckDuckGo. What was the other one? I didn't uh, make another Swiss, Swiss cows. cows. Yeah. I was, yeah. If I, I always use the example of my mum. If my mum's searching for some information... Does your mum know that? <laughs> my mum is aware. Although she's not entirely aware of what I do. So... Um, but it's yes, the mum test. It, what would my mum do? My mum has just about come to grips with the fact that she's got a map on her phone, and if she puts in where she wants to go, it will tell her if she's about to run into you know traffic, and it will reroute her. And she kind of likes that, really. She doesn't really understand it. Doesn't really care. But you know that's fine. Um, and also, when she's searching something on Google, oh sorry, when she's searching something, she'll go directly to Google. Yeah. Just because. The world and his wife has been talking about Google for I don't know how many years, 20 years probably, and actually she knows that the chances are she'll be able to find whatever it is she wants on Google. And it's because she's what, what she's become used to. Yeah. And maybe it is laziness, maybe it's familiarity, but as long as we're aware of the, as you say, the swap we've done, which is, okay, we haven't paid for it in pound notes, as it were, but we've paid for it in our data. We've paid for it in, you know, we've paid for it in them, uh, whether it's Google, Facebook, whatever, knowing that we like I know, fast cars or we like playing golf or whatever, then actually that's a fair swap. I think it's when it isn't as explicit as that, that actually then there becomes a problem. I think that's why, again, GDPR actually became a law. Yeah. It's because people didn't realise they were doing that swap. Yes. They, and maybe they didn't care, but maybe they just you, didn't know do you know actually that, that people didn't realise I think is important and that, that comes down to me for default from a point of view of the power of defaults mm. because 
I think a lot of people on an Android would use Google Maps. Yes. I think a lot of people on an iPhone would use Apple Maps, unless they had a preference not to. Yeah. But you've got to overcome that sort of huge weight of having to change away from your sort of default map provider. I wish you can't actually even set, if you want to use Google, you can't set Google as your default map provider. It's always going to kick you back to Apple Maps generally by default. So you've got to actually overcome a huge weight in order to move over to that one it's got and be, vice versa. It's got to be really painful, basically. It's a bit like trying to change your gas and electricity yeah. provider. Thanks very much. It's um, very much. Uh, um, I've had a great day today. Got another day tomorrow, half day, and uh, see what's going to happen. It's all very exciting. Brilliant. Thanks, Ben. Cheers. My pleasure. Bum, bum. My last day at Bath Digital Festival, and uh, just got three lined up today, just a half day. I've got to get back, got to get on with some work. Um, but basically, the workshops I'm going to see are hypercharged growth. That's actually a new one for me, I'm not sure what to expect. Um, then, next up is the need for humane tech, and this is looking at how voice assistants can be, or maybe we can use the same technology in a less nefarious way, and that's their words, not mine. And uh, can technology save the planet? So, I'm looking forward to that one too. Um, I've had a really good time at Bath Festival. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll see how the roundup goes, but I've learned a lot and I've interviewed a lot of people, so I'll be pulling all that together and we'll see how that works out. See you later. Um, I loved your talk uh, about um, humane technology, uh, particularly with attention, because I sit on two sides of the fence with, with the data and attention and that sort of thing. Uh, one, as a marketer, I love data, it's really useful. Yeah. Um, but also as a dad, um, and my kids, I don't want them to spend too much time um, using that and affected by it. So, you know, I, I'm very much into what you were saying, but then on the other side of marketing, yeah. it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough thing to climb. Could you give me some of your thoughts on, on attention and how we can kind of combat that? Yeah, I think um, it, it's, I haven't got an issue necessarily with um, the desire to gain people's attention, what yeah. I think where we've ended up is the fact that we are scrambling over an ever-reducing level of attention of individuals, um, uh, this race to the bottom. Yeah. And, and I think uh, an approach and a uh, principle to follow is um, people's time is precious, therefore you must respect that, therefore you must give them value. Don't bombard people with useless pieces of information, content marketing in many ways, um, has fallen into that trap. Yeah, absolutely. I see it all the time. Yeah, you must do as a marketer, yeah. right? You just see, we've got to get something out, we've got to get something out. Yeah, you know what, I feel that pressure as well sometimes yeah. from, from companies that they want you to do that, and I'm, I feel that resistance. Yeah, and there's a, there's a, there's a John Lennon line, and I didn't talk about it, I, I kind of vaguely mentioned it in the talk, um, from a song called Julia, which is half of what I say is meaningless, mm -hmm. but I say it just to reach you. Yeah. And that's it, yeah. right? We are um, so desperate for people's attention that we'll give them any other nonsense, and guess what? That turns them off. Yeah. And the answer has been, well, personalisation is the answer to it. Yeah, let's personalise that nonsense. Yeah, let's personalise that. <laughs> it's still nonsense, yes. right? I'm still getting, I'm getting nonsense that is actually uh, more focused on the type of stuff I don't want to read, yeah, the yeah. type of stuff I'm not interested in. So have a better understanding. I think for the focus of attention is have a better understanding of what your, what your customers, what your audience actually really wants. And don't be scared to actually put stuff out there that stands by your principles, mm. but might not necessarily stand by theirs. We're all so focused on pleasing people, mm. we're all so desperate for their attention, that some companies 
there's a jeans company called Hyatt Denim um, who uh, refused to partake in Black Friday. Um, they closed their shop down for the day um, uh, because they're not going to take part in that desperate grab for people's yeah. money. And it is a desperate grab. It's eroding itself. It is. We're eating ourselves. Yeah. Right? The industry is eating ourselves. There is a... Uh, and that oft-used phrase, race to the bottom, yeah. where well, we are. We're, we're, we've got this diminishing uh, attention span of individuals. We're desperately trying to grab a second here, a second there, a glimpse here, a click there. Um, stop. Yeah. Take a breath. Stand true to who you are as a business and as a marketeer. And, as a, um, and I'm guilty of it as much as anyone, but I'm beginning to step back from it. Um, no, this is, this is what, I, what I am. I'm, I'm transparent. I'm very upfront. We're very upfront as a business. We hope you engage with us. But if you don't, that's fine. Now, commercially, some people go, well, that's suicide. Yeah. Why, you, why on earth would you want to do that? Well, if you understand your customers, if you understand your business, if you understand the mechanism and the best way to connect to people, actually, that's probably going to stand you in better stead moving forward. At the moment, we're all responding to Google, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, Competition mm. that has more money than us and has uh, has more marketeers than us. And, yeah. You know, just try and find your spot. Try and find your niche. Try and understand your audience in a way that is completely transparent. Ask them questions. Once you start asking questions, however naive and however against the grain that might be, then you start to understand what your audience really want, and maybe you can give them information that they, that they found you find useful. Yeah. I've switched off hundreds of newsletters and I still get about 20 emails a day. Uh, oddly, I've gone through the same process. Yeah. Um, and you start, to, you start to think, does anyone like me anymore? Because your emails cut down so much. Yeah. yeah. But that's it, because a lot of it was crap that yeah. was coming through. Or, you know, just stuff that had been signed up for and it wasn't relevant anymore. No. Um, and it's nice to actually have that calm. Yeah. So just just on the other side, so you've got a marketing plan. On the other side, just as a parent, yeah. is there anything I can do to help my children not get caught up in this? It's really difficult, isn't it? Because um, I mean, my daughter's sixteen now, and um, we did not um, allow. It's probably too strong a word, but we said to her, um, "We don't want you um, going on social media until you're twelve, thirteen." Right, and um, that was frustrating for her, but. She understood the reasons why. Yeah. We, we articulated to her and she found out herself. So she had that Im- embedded understanding of what the pluses and minuses were of social media. And I, I, from my view, I think kids are much more aware of what um, technology can do in terms of addiction. Um, they're much more aware of the nefarious nature of some of the technology and mm-hmm. the nefarious nature of some people. And I think what I've learned is I've given her more. She's, she gets more credit than I did initially. She, she knows she, it's natural. She's growing up in this environment. The other side of that, which is where we have to be careful as parents, is that it's a very normal way of communicating and interacting. We're digital immigrants. Yeah. We remember the world before mm-hmm. the internet. Um, they're natives, however you want to call it. So what we might find, get off that phone. Why are you on that phone again? They're having a communication in exactly the same way that we were probably in the pub when we were 16, 17, when we were, you know, fully into it. So I think that from, from my perspective, it's always been being clear with, with my daughter. This is this is the pluses and minuses. Asking her questions around the education she's getting from school, yeah. from her friends. 
and actually trusting and going, right, you understand. Um, and in many ways, actually, what I found is that she's getting access to information around climate change, around mm. societal transformation and the, the challenges, and she's becoming much more aware. So I think it's a, it's a nervous balance sometimes. Between the two, and I don't know how old your kids are. Um, so they're um, nine and ten. Yeah, so they similar sort of age. Get into it. I wonder if that it's that helping her step back a little yeah. bit, just a little bit, so that the, she can start to refine those choices, um, so that when that flood of data comes in, it's at least going in the right direction. Perspective. And she's got a bit of feels like she's got some choice over it, yeah. rather than just going straight into that flood, boom, taking what's there. Yeah, and that's it. There's this that quite occasion you've got to look up, right? Yeah. And um, that was the kind of idea from that. It's just like, you know, here's the information, be aware of it. Yeah. But just, every now and again, just step back and go, yeah, okay, is that healthy? <laughs> and and that, was, that was only because, probably like yourself, it's only been the last few years I've been aware of that myself. You know, been able to put my hand up and go, A, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And B, I'm flooded with information, I need help. Or you've got to stop sending me this stuff. You know? You, 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 you I am, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you get that, right? Yeah. Stop sending me this stuff. It's yeah. absolutely it's no good to my mental health. It's no good to your business. Um, just slow down. Yeah. What are we trying to achieve? Yeah. Good talk. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Cheers. It's been fantastic festival because there's been so much diversity. There has been. Yeah, and just uh, I didn't expect it to be such a high standard of um, speaker on every occasion. Um, such diverse backgrounds. Um, it's not ever been along a single line of conversation. It's yeah, kind of taken quite varied, isn't yeah, it? all directions. Are there any, any talks that you've been to over the last few days that you've, you've really pulled out a few interesting um, things from? Um, actually, today I went to one which was all on the humane aspect of tech, which was very philosophical, but um, I think had a lot of uh, applies to most businesses, and uh, that was one. Um, Definitely uh, another one that stands out was, uh, oh, I forget the name of the lady, unfortunately, a lecturer at Bath University who's mm -hmm. been working with the government on um, artificial intelligence and working with the big corporations on that and just understanding how they're being presented, um, the way technology is evolving. Oh, right. Um, that was very interesting. Um, let me think what else was there. I really enjoyed our session yesterday, the, the workshop. Oh, oh, yeah, so we were in that together, although I forgot at the time, but then we, we were talking afterwards. Indeed. But that, but that was the one where it was about six numbers to run your business. Mm -hmm. um, we were in different groups, but the same workshop. Um, and it was funny, we were talking uh, uh, earlier today, and it's funny how just different groups of people can come up with quite different numbers, really. Mm -hmm. But what we both liked is that even though we've all come from different businesses, we didn't know each other, there was a very democratic uh, way forward mm, where definitely. we all had to discuss what we, which numbers we felt were best yep. for this fictitious business that we were coming up with. And actually, that, that was really useful. Yeah, and, really agree, and agree on what we all wanted out of, the, out of this fictitious business, yeah. which when you don't know the people you're, you're doing this with, um, just even establishing those basic kind of, uh, the basic ground, grounding of where you're trying to build these six numbers and I like the fact that there was that it was a really interactive experience it was it wasn't did you feel that maybe people were more 
honest or open. So let's say, let's say everyone was, was in the same business. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they could just follow each other and say, yeah, that's a good idea. That's, we'll, we'll go with this person. But actually, we had no vested interest to win. We all wanted us to succeed. I felt it was quite collaborative. It was. It was very collaborative. Um, and, of course, I've seen in sort of previous sessions where you're doing this with a group of people, there's generally the leader stands out or the person who's driving it forward. But actually, everybody was very respectful. And clearly, everybody realised that we all have that, that background to, to, to ease off. And there wasn't, a, uh, yes. there wasn't so much so. So, yeah, it, absolutely. It wasn't like The Apprentice where everyone was trying to take control. <laughs> no one was fired. <laughs> yet so tell me what what brings you to bath digital festival why you know why did you take some time out of your work to come and spend a couple of days here and, and learn lots of stuff um i'm new to bath um i actually have a company that was incorporated in canada and we're opening up an establishment here mm. registered as a company overseas and um bath was somebody dropped it into conversation a number of weeks ago and, and the fact it's on my doorstep bath is such an accessible place um i I just thought that I was also then told a few days ahead of the festival that this would be a good place to get a um, broad understanding of what the tech environment of Bath and Bristol looks like and who's involved in that and what they're, what's driving kind of the, um, what's, what's the driving force behind. And it really has, because of the diversity of the events and the number of really interesting people in such a concentrated yeah. space that I've met, I've, yeah, it, it's really delivered on the, the expectation that I had from that. I, I, didn't, I honestly actually didn't expect the level of quality that, has, that I've, I've witnessed from it. So oh, that, fantastic. That, um, they'll be pleased to, to know that. <laughs> and, and what's your business? What do you do? So we're, uh, we are called I Connected Home, as mm -hmm. I say. Uh, we are building an app called Moments, which is a smart home helper in your pocket. We want to help people on their smart home journey yeah. and uh, help them understand why they would even buy a smart home product um, in this big, so much choice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> really, do why, why would I buy a product that's often quite expensive and what value does that deliver me on a tangible basis? So what could help me maybe... Uh, on a health level of wake up more easily or, or gauge my sense of circadian rhythms and I'm working with oh, them good. to how does my energy bills look like yeah. to how do I feel more secure about my home or my family while I'm away and of course the time saving aspect so we're introducing people to that before they buy anything yeah. and helping them through the purchasing process and then actually eliminating a lot of the uh, setup and confusion around ecosystems so it's a big equation we're very early on um, but uh, it's been fantastic to come from, as I say, the west coast of Canada to, um, to the west coast of England, west country of England and, and back to home and discover that this has got such a great community yeah, here. A huge world of and care. I can apply it in so many ways here as well. So. Good. Well, thank you. And lovely to meet you. Lovely and, to uh, meet you too. Thank you for taking the time. We better get back to work. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Well, that's it. I've got to catch my train soon, but uh, that's my final day at the Bath Digital Festival. Thanks, guys, for organising it. It was great. Thanks to all the speakers I met. Um, you were fab. And uh, thank you for letting me pinch a bit of your time at the end as well uh, to grab videos of you. It's awesome, really, and I'll definitely do this again next year um, and recommend it to anyone else, really, if, if they want to open their eyes on technology or just want to learn something in their particular field. It's definitely worth attending as it's quite varied. As long as you've got an open mind, you're going to learn a lot here. So I'm now going to get, get on the train, sort out all my notes, and we'll put this together in a video for you to see what's going on. See you next time. Thank you for listening. If you want to find me, I'm at Ben Kinnaird on Twitter, 
or you can email me, hello, at ratherinventive.com, or come along to one of our events. Just check out the website, ratherinventive.com slash events. You can find the show notes for this episode on our website. Just go to ratherinventive.com slash podcast. And while you're there, do subscribe to our video feed on YouTube, or if you use iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify, subscribe on those. And you can support our podcast by giving us a rating on iTunes and by checking out our sponsor, 34SP. Make sure you use the code WP Inventive to get your first three months free of WordPress hosting. Dick and bum, 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 dick and